Hello, Real Talk listeners. Welcome back to our Culture, Culture, Culture series. This episode's very interesting. Um, Michelle and I are coming to you, talking with you about how focusing on culture can have significant downsides. So it's interesting, Michelle, are we saying don't focus on culture? Like all this talk that we're having, now we're saying, oh, if you focus on it too much, it can plummet your business. Is this what we're saying to our listeners today? So, you know, what's funny is, yeah, we're going to talk about it a little bit, but there's a really good reason why we're going to talk about it. I think it's something that you and I have always done, but one of the things that um, really stood out to me when I was in a research class was that when you're doing your research, it's actually helpful. You know, you've got your hypothesis or your research question and whatever your study happens to be, but it's always helpful to include a counter argument as a part of your final solutions. And the truth is, some of this, if you don't do culture right, the truth is this argument does absolutely apply. Um, So you had recently probably about a month ago, I read an article about culture potentially causing problems if you focus too much on it in the recruiting process. And then interestingly enough, just last week, I also read an article from Harvard Business Review that talked about how it can cause problems for an organization if you only hire based on a cultural fit. I think let's dig into it. What, what are some of the problems that you read about? You know, it's interesting. So, you know, from um, the article that I read, I think it's, uh, well, I think just in general, let's just start there. When you're taking a look at culture and you're literally trying to fit the mold so perfectly through your hiring process, it creates chaos because you're literally then so extremely focused on it that you've lost sight into essentially what is the the biggest priority, right? Um, Your business, your revenue. And we talked a little bit about this in the last episode. And, you know, I'm going to continue driving the fact that if you're hiring and you're just looking for a perfect culture, sometimes it's not always going to be successful. I'll give you an example. I hired a phenomenal candidate, BS'd her way through the entire interview process last year. And I felt like she was a good culture fit, but I was so focused in prioritizing on the culture for my team because my dynamic on my team was a little unstable and I had to bring in something that was going to be more aligned with our company values, our culture. What what I was trying to really do is drive and engage the team and excite them. And I was so focused on that and those questions through the interview process that I failed to maybe ask some other particular questions that would have helped me navigate the challenges that I had with her. And unfortunately, she didn't necessarily work out in the long term because it wasn't just a culture fit, right? For I was so focused on making sure that her culture or she would fit in with our culture that I didn't realize that our culture may not fit in with how she wanted a company to have culture. And she didn't necessarily ask those questions, but there were a couple of other pieces from her performance perspective that I had, that I didn't ask because you only get sometimes so much time with a candidate that you're really like, you try to target your questions particularly. 
And so that was a lesson learned for me that I learned very quickly. Well, it wasn't something that I naturally had done, but I'd focus on it with this one candidate and it ended up backfiring and it wasn't successful for neither one of us. She wasn't happy because our culture wasn't a good fit for her. And we weren't happy because her performance wasn't exactly what we needed as well, because we were focusing on the culture piece. So that was the downside for us as we both had conflicting arguments and our challenges with one another. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I think probably one of the best um, methods, and uh, we'll actually have some really great resources coming out in the near future that will help you with this, but one of the best methods that I've ever seen in the recruiting process or in the inter- selection process is a thoughtful consideration of all of the different elements, right? So you thought through, I'm going to pause for a second. This concept always reminds me of um, Hallmark movies. You know how Hallmark movies, if you've seen one, you've basically seen them all. They all have the same storyline The people are, for whatever reason, they're in love with each other, but they won't admit it. And then there's crazy stuff like, you know, the guy has this ridiculous checklist or the girl has this ridiculous checklist and the guy doesn't fit all of the boxes or blah, blah, blah. And that's the reason it reminds me of that. But from a recruiting and selection process, it's actually a really good idea for you to have a checklist and a series of questions that starts with, you know, what does it mean to be a cultural fit? What does it mean to communicate your culture? What I found is most companies can't even articulate what their culture is. But then you also have to have what are those, like you mentioned, she didn't have the performance, Right. So you have to have that in there as well, where what are the performance elements that I need them to walk in with? What are the ones that I'm willing to teach them um, if they don't come into this with it? And also as part of that, and you did this as well, even though the performance piece did work out in your story, you talked about this, you looked at your entire team and you asked yourself, what really do I need to round out this team and make the team more effective as a whole, right? So it's four pieces. It starts with culture. Like, what do you do to articulate your culture and make sure it's a good cultural fit? What did you lose when the previous employee left that you really have to retain, right? And then What are the gaps in your team that it would be nice to fill out? And then the last thing is, what what are the skills or experience that they need to bring? And which ones are you willing to teach if they don't have it already? And I think it's that goes back to that checklist, right? When you're picking human beings, it seems weird. And we see it always works out badly in those Hallmark movies because you have that checklist. But I think you have to start with one in the selection process. And, but here's the final piece. Nobody's ever going to check all the boxes, not in your personal life, not in your professional life. And so as you're checking those boxes, what you really have to ask yourself is which ones of these are the most important? Do you have enough strong people from a culture perspective to balance someone who doesn't get your culture? Do you have enough strength in the actual work that needs to be done or the performance that you can teach someone. And so you have to look at which boxes did they not check? And is that something as an employer I can live without? 
Yeah, and that's a good point. You know, there's uh, I'm, you know, looking through this article from Gianna Prudente and you can find it on LinkedIn, but I obviously it's hiring for culture. Virtual hiring is an opportunity for business to put less emphasis on the role of culture, says Ryan Holmes, chairman of Hootsuite, which is a fantastic company. You know, focusing on culture has significant downsides. It can lead companies to overlook qualified candidates who don't fit a preconceived notion of quote unquote employee. Worse, it can create an expulsionary atmosphere. And there was a CEO that responded to this and said, great article. The only area I think needs refinement is the culture fit. Too often, as you mentioned, culture is a beer and barbecue fit. Will people get along? Instead, organizations need to test for culture fit with the goal of, quote, does this candidate exhibit the right behaviors to execute at a high level within our organization, end of quote. And then he goes on to mention, and this is a great article if you guys want to read comments from here, culture's not how well the team gets along at a social event. Culture is how well the team can execute together with the same principles and expectations to deliver superior results with customers, whether internal or external. I think that was a great comment to the article. It's very interesting. Holy crap. I always, when I hear people say something and I'm like, that's what I've been trying to say. That was so well-spoken. I think they nailed it with the company picnic comment. Culture is not about, do we get along? In fact, you and I get along very well, but we don't agree all Mm -hmm. the time. Some of my closest friends, we get along really well, but probably disagree with each other as often as we agree with each other. But he said the principles, right? It's the principles of how you work together to get things done efficiently. And so culture isn't what you wear to work or the dress code or work from home days. Those are just weird, cool things that the world wants to be a part of, right? Where you can be casual and stuff. Culture is, do we agree on the same principles of business? And being honest about your business, that allows organizations to find the folks that are right. So I'm going to take Google. You know, you talk, we talk about Google a lot because they have a clearly defined kind of cultural expectation when you're an employee of Google. But guess what? There are lots of people in the world that really do want to work nonstop to come up with some ridiculously innovative ideas that propel the world forward from an element of technology, right? And so as long as Google is very upfront about what they want, they start to attract people whose work ethic is aligned with the principles of we are going to bust our ass and innovate. And then if you are someone who wants just crazy work-life balance, make sure that's part of your principles and that people agree with those as well. So yes, guys, I would say go read that article. It's a really, really, especially the comments, um, it's a really great way of explaining what some of the challenges are. Now, one of the other challenges that I read in the Harvard Business Review article was, um, and, and your comments alluded to it, is when you get so hung up in the wrong thing, when you're thinking about cultural fit, and you start getting what I'm going to call personality fit, which is kind of like what he was saying, it's not about the company picnic and do you get along, 
it's about something bigger. But when you're so wrapped up in the idea that it's about a personality fit, um, you have just probably cut off all innovation. So that's another challenge that you're going to run into. If you are hiring people who do the same things and like the same things and think the same way and talk the same way, you have just, we'll get to the diversity and inclusion part in a second, but you have just stopped your company from being innovative. Um, Because if somebody doesn't think opposite of someone else, no one's ever going to pause and say, oh, hold up. We could do that different. And so that's that's an incredible downside if you are looking at a cultural fit the wrong way. Yeah, you know, that's the that's a, a huge part of the fact, a factor um, that you need to consider when you're hiring and you're taking a look and you're so embedded in some of these pieces, you know, and I, you know, we talked a lot in our last episode about hiring and making sure you have the right cultural fit, but don't overcomplicate it and don't badger the situation so much to the fact that, you are literally just focused on that. Again, I think it's a good blend and it's a good mix, but you also need to identify if this person's going to be on board. There's so many times we've hired or clients have hired or uh, you know businesses have hired somebody that's way so extreme from a cultural fit, but there are people more in the middle or more towards where you're trying to get them to and that are moldable or you know that could be modified and adjusted and taught some of the pieces that you're seeking. But there are some that are just so anti whatever cultural uh, culture you're trying to exhibit within your organization. Those are the people that we're saying, hey, stay away from. Like these are red flags. They are so against what you're trying to complete and what your vision is that it's not necessarily going to be the best fit for you. So it's, uh, you know, I'm very intrigued to hear more about this Harvard Business Review article and what the stance is there. I think this is one of those places where the better you can articulate what matters most, the easier you can define where people are moldable and where they are not. So Marie and I both worked for an organization, FedEx, and they have a very, very strong expectation around the customer experience, right? There's there's even kind of this commitment and, and it's been a few years. So if I get it wrong, FedEx, I'm sorry, but it'll be close enough. Um, I will make every FedEx experience outstanding. It doesn't say part of them. It doesn't say 90% of the time. It's like I, because you own yourself, will make every 100% of the customers. It actually doesn't even say customers. It says I will make every FedEx experience outstanding. So whether it's a vendor, whether it's a contractor, whether it's an employee, whether it's a, um, a customer, the experiences will be outstanding. So that would be, you know, that would be one of the non-negotiables when um, I was interviewing someone, if I was interviewing someone for FedEx. And it isn't even necessarily that I would um, ask the questions based on a cultural fit, but maybe even asking some behavior-based interview questions around how they deal with customers when the customers are wrong. You know, put out there, like, you guys, I will say this, over and over again. I know I've said it before. I'll say it again. Customers are wrong. They are wrong a lot. I know. Um, 
<laughs> That's a whole but other session for us to a talk whole about. Other session. Customers not always right, but they have to be perceived as right. <laughs> right, right. And so that's the kind of question you ask to see how they're aligned is just be very honest and say, you know, give me a time where something went wrong, the customer was angry, but you knew it was their fault and not your fault. How did you handle it? Right. And that can help you understand. It might help you understand better how they're going to react when a, a bad customer experience does happen. So I think that's the first step when it comes to your question of how do you find or how do you narrow down on the ones that are critical so you don't limit the variance of thought, right? It's that you narrow down to the ones that are non-negotiable. Often, if your company is set up well, if they're not, please call us. If your company is set up well, <laughs> you will have a set of potentially four to six core values. If you have much more than six, then you're just being ridiculous and you need to calm down. But you'll have a set of values and you need to ask yourself, I would even ask yourself, like if you looked at those values and you thought, man, you know what? These three are non-negotiable, but who cares if they bring these other three? then you need to ask yourself if those should be your values, like if you're willing to compromise them. So I would say hone in on your values is kind of the cornerstone of what you need people to at least understand. So, you know, an interesting thing here is um, if you're hiring me, right? If, if you're hiring me into a place where outstanding customer service is a value, it's an expectation that you treat customers like royalty. Here's what you need to know. I'm totally going to do it. Do I think the customer's always right? Hell no. Um, Again, they're usually wrong, but I have been alive long enough to know that if you're going to run a successful business in North America, then the customer needs to believe the situation is being resolved to their satisfaction. Well, and that brings up a good point. It's how you ask questions during the interview process. Would I ask you, do you believe the customer is always right in an interview? Or is that going to target what I'm really trying to achieve? You know, what's funny is if I did start with that question, I would definitely ask a follow-up. And I personally, because you know my belief about the customer, I would be skeptical if someone said yes and didn't explain their answer. That would probably make me more skeptical than someone who said, no, the customer's not always right. Because anyone in customer service will tell you that um, sometimes customers are not only wrong, but even a little bit obnoxious in the process. Yeah. So what I, I would want to hear... in an interview process that would legitimately answer that question with a no, right? They're going to BS their way through it. They're going to say, yes, customer's always right. Let me give you what you want to hear. So um, how do we get to, you know what, except for me, and I tend to be brutal in my. <laughs> no, but I think you're right. You need to say, if, if you are saying yes, you need to elaborate as to why you're saying yes. But I think that the real purpose of it is you're not going to go in and try to find out if, Michelle, you're a good cultural fit for my business, if customers, serving customers is the best way. I'm not going to ask you, do you feel like the customer is always right? That's a poor interview question that usually is a yes or no that doesn't allow for an open-ended 
discussion unless the person's ready to give it. And unless you are a professional and have been in the industry a while, you may get an open-ended question from somebody. But if you're looking at uh, someone who's just starting out their career or their, you know, their job search and they're, you know, high school graduate, college graduate, whatever the case may be, they're probably just going to say yes or no and not really elaborate. So it comes down to asking the right questions to target truly what your value is and your value proposition and what you're trying to target and get from that potential candidate that you want to hire. For sure. Right. So getting to that question of how you would respond now, I know there's um, always a lot of debate on behavior-based questions and are those the way to go, but Here's what human nature has shown us time and time again. Past performance or past habits strongly determine what future performance or future habits will be, right? Like we even know that outside of a work environment because it takes so long to change a habit for most people. You know, we've even come up with shortcuts of things like habit stacking um, so that it makes it easier to do it. So behavior-based questions, things that get them to describe or explain or elaborate on situations. I also believe that it is helpful to um, put them in the opposite of a perfect scenario. Don't give them the ideal scenario. Give them a scenario where if teamwork's important to you, ask them for a situation where they struggled to work with someone. How did they handle it, right? The truth is people know interview questions and there there are going to be those cases like you described earlier where people BS their way through them. I used to tell people when we would train uh, selection and interviewing, um, I used to tell people all the time that you've got to keep digging deeper when you hear stuff because it's as easy as buying a $15 book. Well, now you don't even have to buy a book. You can go to the internet and it's all free. Like you can type in appropriate responses to the most common interview questions. And just like that, people have given all of these tips of how to BS your way through those most popular questions. So people can absolutely do it. Another thing that stood out to me, Maria, in the Harvard Business Review article, which I also found on LinkedIn, but you can find at their website as well, was when you get caught up in hiring for a cultural fit, not only do you kind of pause innovation and creativity or growth within the organization, but you start to create a non-inclusive environment. So what are your thoughts? What do you think? Yeah, you know, when you're talking about non-inclusive, you know, it's interesting because it, it could be. It could be that you're then creating so much opportunity for everybody to be a unique and you know that they can't necessarily talk through all of their perspective positions so i can see that perspective i see both perspectives but i would challenge that a little bit because i feel like you know if you're you're hiring for culture it doesn't mean you know, you're not going to focus on dei initiatives it just means your value proposition your employee value proposition is focused on making sure that the end result is successful. I think there's some, there's still opportunity for you to be diverse and you to have inclusivity and equitable in many areas of your entire organization. 
I don't know. I challenge that a little bit. What do you think, Michelle? I challenge it as well. And I'm going to take it back to the comment that you mentioned earlier about looking for, you know, those basic principles and not just likeness. I would say when I look out at my business, um, my business friendships that have blossomed into, you know, outside of work friendships over the years, I can comfortably say that we are some of the most diverse people that I've ever met when I look at the group of people that are surrounding me, right? But we have very core principles that we share, which is not to hurt others, to go out of your way to take care of the people you love. We show up even when it's painful, especially when it's painful, we show up. So we have, we have those principles or the life version of an employee value proposition. Maybe we'll call it a friendship value proposition in common. And because we have those principles in common, it allows us to have tougher conversations that do include diversity of thought, diversity of culture, diversity of religion. Because we have those core principles, I would never... So my religion is Christianity, but I have friends who are every gamut of the world from Muslim to atheist even, and I would never shut them down and they would never shut me down because our core principles say we love and respect each other, right? So that means that we build it off of that. So for me... You know, I would tell you, we brought this up because we know, here's what we know, um, because we know human nature. They're going to read a headline of an article, right? That says, the article headline says, hiring for culture is bad. Whatever version of it that the headline is designed to grab you, right? And so all of those organizations that don't have a solid culture or haven't figured it out, they're going to see that headline and they're going to see, see, I told you, culture doesn't matter anyway. And they're never going to actually open the article. And what you and I found when you open the article and you read the comment, it's not that they're saying culture doesn't matter. It's that basically the underlying message is we misinterpret what is meant by culture. And as long as leaders misinterpret what is meant by culture, we're going to keep screwing it up and we're going to keep blaming it on looking for a cultural fit when the problem is ultimately we're screwing it up. Pretty much. Yeah. It's clickbait. You know, you take a look and it's literally clickbait to make you open up the article, but some People just read the clickbait and they never open the article to find out the real solution to the problem at hand. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, the problem is the leader or the organization. It's not necessarily, you know, and it's not, hey, not everyone has problems, but we're all not perfect like we started off talking about. So I think, you know, that's a good opportunity for people to reach out and challenge themselves in new ways because there's a lot of times where we need to dig a little bit deeper. Are the leaders in the organization asking the right questions during the interview process? Are your leaders in the organization driven by your whole mission, your vision, your value within the organization and driving towards the culture that you're seeking from top down? Again, 
It starts top down. Trust me, I've worked in organizations where it's not top down. You got to start in the middle, wherever the the top of the peak is that you can find change. But it does truly start with top down. Yeah, it blows up when you start in the middle. It does, but it's still possible. Um, yes, as long as you go both ways from the middle, not just down. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You got to yeah. keep working out. So guys, I think if we were calling this like a Mythbusters episode, I think we would go, this um, statement is a myth, right? It's a myth because we're not assessing culture correctly. So here's the great news, guys. Fixing culture, I actually phrased this to a leader recently and I had to rephrase it. So I'm going to use the rephrase version. Fixing or addressing cultural initiatives, it is not a complex situation. It is, however, not quick. And it does require significant effort or energy put into it. Um, And to what Maria, and I would say if you start in the middle, it can be done, but it's probably going to be longer and more time consuming. And you might have to make more detours around your road to get to your final destination. So top down is always the best way to go. And as you're going top down, you start at that top level, you get really clear, you go to the next level and you don't move forward until everybody gets it. Because every level has to truly buy in and believe what you stand for in order for it to resonate and to sustain within your organization. And we happen to have a really cool six-step process that will help you define your culture. It also includes a series of best practices that we have seen or used with other organizations, as well as some pitfalls or um, obstacles you're going to run into along the way so that you can be proactive to try to avoid them before they get there. So, This information will be coming to you soon. Maria, do you want to tell them more? Yeah, you can go to realtalent.com and you can get more insights there um, and sign up for any of our articles uh, or resources that we put out to our listeners. Um, But in addition, you know, I think there's, oh gosh, there's, you know, this whole series this month is truly a sneak peek to our boot camp that's happening next year. So super stoked about it. We have one more episode in this series where literally we talk about it takes a village. And so we'll talk through that on our next episode. But until next time, thanks, listeners. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.